shotglassdigital.com. Geek Out Loud is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash geekout. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player of your choice. Audibletrial.com slash geekout. Help us out, guys. Come on. Come on, help us out. On this episode of Geek Out Loud, my brother from another mother, Air Chernovi, stops by. We pass a little corn, we talk a little geek, we have a little bit of fun. On this, your safe place to geek out, this is the Geek Out Loud Podcast. Welcome to Geek Out Loud. I'm Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you. This is your safe place to geek out here on the internet. And if I may dare, just go out on a limb and say the most fun geek-centric podcast on the internet. I've listened to several. I've been trying to find people who do what I like. And you know what? I'm just going to be honest and step out and say I'm the only one that does what I like to do. So, having said that, so glad you're here, and I hope that you like what we're doing as well. If you don't, don't tell me about it, because it hurts my feelings, and I'm a very sensitive guy, and, uh, you know, no one likes to have their feelings hurt. So, having said that, ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again, and welcome to this guy, lady... You know him, he's my brother from another mother. He has become a staple here at Geek Out Loud. Hello, Eris Schernerweiss, what's going on, bro? Hello, Mr. Steve Clausen. What? <laughs> what? Greetings to you. Greetings and oh. salutations, my friend. Hello, governor. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. La, la, la. Yes. <laughs> Man, I just got to say, your opening music just makes me so happy. I, it makes me happy as well. I've thought about, I mean, we're 157 episodes in at this point, and there have been times where I've thought about changing it. But I'm no. like, there's nothing, there's nothing to change it to. Oh, you will, no, you will no longer be the most fun geek centric podcast to listen to if you I change com- that. I completely agree. Here's what's the ironic thing, though, is it of course is a remix of the Super Friends. It's called yes. that. That time is now. If you want to find what I use, you can find it on online. Just look for uh, that time is now MP3. Uh, Superman homepage has a has a good uh, download of it, a good clean download of it on their multimedia page and um but it's of course it's super friends so dc centric on a on a podcast where lately i've been talking mostly about star wars and marvel so it you know there's for all you dc fans there it is it's in the intro so 
hang with it. And in, in all fairness to DC, you know, you're just waiting for that one thing to come along that gets us talking about DC. Again, I, so. I really am. I really am. You know, they've been saying, uh, you know, the reports came out that there was a screening for uh, some of the studio folks at Warner Brothers, and it received a standing ovation. Ba- uh, I'm sorry, Man, uh, Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. Apparently, they they were standing o that thing. So was this before or after the reports that said they wanted less Superman and more Batman? This was before all that, you know. Which is so they gave it a standing ovation and then said, you know what, we want less Superman and more Batman. Yeah, it's weird, and that and seeing that's one of the things that's kind of bugging me about Warner Brothers is is I love Superman and I love Batman. It, I, to me, it's not like oh this one's so much better than the other. But when it comes down to superheroes, my favorite superhero of all time is Superman. Doesn't mean I don't like Batman. It just means Superman's my favorite, and and I feel like that everyone's sometimes overthinking how to do the Man of Steel. I think what makes him so good is that he is so good, and you just put that on the screen and let him be a contrast to the darkness that you know he's fighting against. And and I think you've got a pretty winning formula there. That's just me. I'm not a creative type. I you know. You notice how we don't hear these reports of studio wanting this or studio wanting that when it comes to the marvel universe movies the closest we got uh and the closest we've had fantastic four well well i'm thinking marvel studios the closest we've gotten has been like with edgar wright leaving um and you know leaving ant-man and but i think that was just from edgar wright leaving Mm -hmm. oh sure i mean like it it, well you know the create the old the old classic creative differences were cited Right, um, but I do think that um, that somewhere, you know, in there there was some studio stuff. Of course, obviously, because the they, the way they wanted things to tie in, and I believe that it's kind of come out that Joss was a little not fully satisfied with, you know, the way the studio has kind of come down on things. Yeah, um, I, I remember reading a little bit about that too. I, I think that. Uh, if I re- recollect correctly, I mean, part of that was also Joss just being a little hard on himself about it, too. Right, right. You know, not being 100% satisfied with what he wound up with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I guess, I guess the point I'm, I'm trying to make is, you know, it's all this stuff goes towards our attitudes about the movies walking into them. I think so. I, I agree with that. You know, I think, I think so. a lot of us, whether you're excited or not for Batman versus Superman, you're still going to walk in with a little bit of like trepidation in the back of your head. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the Marvel product, we generally just walk in like, okay, I'm really excited for this. And yeah, nine times out of ten, you really do. I think that. I also think it's it's the difference in you have one creative figurehead within Marvel Studios in the person of Kevin Feige. Right. Uh, who who has been driving the ship. And, and obviously he's surrounded by other people that he answers to and that answer to him, that they all kind of collaborate. But at the end of the day, he's the face. He's the voice. He's the guy who, you know, is taking it on his shoulders so that when it fails, if something should fail, that that would be the person he's willing to take the blame, and when it succeeds, he's willing to pass out all the right accolades. Right. Um, you don't have that within Warner Brothers. You know, everything's right yeah, now. It's the, right. Uh, it, it's the the dreaded suits. Right. Yeah. And, and, and as 
superhero fans and fans of the genre, I mean, the early attempts at doing a lot of these movies, we thought were kind of messed up with by these nameless, faceless suits. Agreed. Yeah. You know, making decisions. Well, what are your, you know, I got called on another podcast. I got called a Josh Trank apologist. Um, and, and I mentioned this a little bit last week on the show, but what are, you, know, I, you haven't seen Fanforstic. I have not seen yeah. it. Um, I went and saw it, and you know I don't want to retread everything that I that I talked about on the show, but obviously it has been critically panned. It's been, you know, the fans have not enjoyed it, and 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 my whole point, Irish, was that there's plenty of blame to go around. I feel like it was a studio who who picked the wrong director, who you know who who hitched their who hitched this wagon to the wrong horse. Because when he decided he had a take on it that they didn't like, he didn't know how to respond in the right political way within that system. Right. And so he made decisions that ended up being, you know, from all reports, a bad set situation. He apparently treated he apparently treated Kate Mara poorly. And, you know, meanwhile, the studio is just kind of continuing to put the screws to him. And he just, it, to me, it seemed like there was blame to go around even though Trank, at the end of the day, is going to be the guy who has to be the one to bear that load on his shoulders. Well, I, I think part of this, too, is of the studio's fault and their making. You know, nowadays, we see it, it's just become part of the culture, part of the process that, you know, everybody's got a race to lock down the dates for their big tentpole movies. Mm -hmm. So you're locking down, you know, the release date before you even, like, call action on the first day of shooting right right and over and over and over again these studios are boxing themselves into these corners by announcing everything years in advance and locking down the dates years in advance and you know publicizing things years in advance you know they show up at licensing show with with sketches and stuff and i mean we've seen even with star wars no matter how hard you try to keep things secret or, you know, try to lock down a set. Everything gets out these days. Mm -hmm. And so before a young director like Josh Trank even probably has an actual shooting script that's approved and, you know, is ready to, to start rolling film, you know, he's already boxed into a corner. So if there is a problem, there's no time to fix that problem. And additionally, the studios are dumping so much money into the into these big tentpole pictures that it kind of reaches a point of no return with them. It's like we, we've already dumped this much money into it. We have to proceed forward with it and hope for the best. Right, right. And 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 because they've put so much money in it, the producers come along and start really trying to see what's going on. With right. with the with the money that's being spent and being poured into this, it, yeah, and now you're now you're forced to start duct taping this movie together, mm -hmm. you know, because it, it's fallen apart and you've got to get something out there. I mean, a perfect example with Fantastic Four is, I think it was the second trailer that they had for the movie. You mm -hmm. know, we we had that scene with the thing jumping out of the plane, right, right, and that doesn't even wind up in the final film. No, tell me about it. I <laughs> I sat through the whole thing and never saw it because it's just you know slap some paint on it and duct tape this together and 
wire that together and send it out there and all we need for it is to just run through the first the opening week make a few bucks and then it'll disappear and we'll cobble together the director's cut DVD Blu-ray and put that out there yeah but I don't even know that that could save there were there were no. a lot there were a lot of other problems with the film as a fantastic four movie that I saw just as being a fan for a long time. But I'll tell you this, it's it's interesting to think that it's really been seven years since the release of Iron Man. And and I know that we had Harry Potter and the Twilight series, you know, kind of show up. Right. And that really started this whole idea of, well, we need to look for franchises. We need to look for franchises. You know, because uh, until then it was like, oh, well, this well we're going to talk about one of those franchises when we get to our September movies. Indeed. And, and and there was this idea of, well, if a movie's successful, let's try to sequelize it. But now they go into property saying, well, this is going to be a franchise. We're going to franchise this property now, like the, the way they're doing or reportedly doing with Ghostbusters. Um and other things, and I feel like that's the wrong. I feel like that's not quite the best foot to start out on. Um, I think it depends on what it is. I think certainly a movie like Ghostbusters you could turn into a franchise. Yeah, you, you know, I, I think that where they get into trouble is is where they they do a one shot movie, and I, I think perfect example here is The Matrix. Mm-hmm. Right. The Matrix, the first movie, is perfect, beginning to end. It's complete. Comes out, is revolutionary, makes a gajillion dollars, and now it's like, all right, how do we need to turn this into something bigger? Mm-hmm. And they come out with Revolutions and Reloaded or Reloaded and Revolutions or whatever, and there's some cool stuff in them, but they're just nowhere near as good as the first one. Well, the thing about Matrix is is it was a game changer. That was a game changing yep. movie in in cinema because of the way it was shot. The, you know, the concept was a little Terminator, but kicked up a notch. You know, as far as the machines taking over and that sort of thing. But when you hit Reloaded, it becomes this weird. The story went way off kilter. Yeah, you know, and even in Revolutions, it was as well to the point that you just kind of walked out scratching your head with with. The Matrix, with that first movie, you were scratching your head for a little bit, you know, through that first half. But once everything got, you took the ride with Neo. Yeah. And once everything was explained to you, you understood what a moment it was at the end when he stands up and, you know, is just kind of looking at his hand while he's. Yeah, it's like all the, it just turns into the binary numbers. Exactly. And so I, it's, yeah, that was, that was one of those things where they made a mistake. But that's what I'm saying is when you go in, it's like, could this be a franchise? Sure. Let's see how this does. But I think that when they look at it like a project like Ghostbusters, where it's like, we want to turn this into a franchise, before they, e- before they even start developing the new script for it, they're thinking about how it can be more than one. Right. And I so feel they're like- starting to look at it bigger picture. And I think, I think if you're going to try and do that, that's the way to do it. Instead of, starting with a single entity hmm. and it does really well and now it's like okay we need to turn this into a franchise see i don't i don't know i think they both have their merits and their and i think there's pros and cons big time i think to both you get lucky sometimes you know back to the future a movie that the both of us absolutely adore right it was never meant to be three movies it was right. one movie hey. but you know he put that tag at the end to be continued as like a little bit of tongue-in-cheek and as 
filmgoers, we took that seriously. And, of course, it made a ton of money and hit soundtrack and everything. So the studio's like, all right, you've got to continue this now. How do you feel about Back to the Future 2 and 3? I like them, mm-hmm. but they're, not, they're nowhere near. I mean, 2 was, in a lot of ways, just a retread of the first one. It was, in, in a lot of ways. But it was... But it was I but feel like they, they did it well. I feel like the gags they did with they what was going on in the first all one well. work is a trilogy. Mm-hmm. And the end of the third one where the train shows up and, you know, the you know, all of a sudden he's got like the hover on it and stuff and the train flies away and your mind is just blown. It's like that's awesome. Yes, it it really is. It's it and it's you know, a perfect it, it, ending. It's a it, perfect ending. It does ending. work. Are two and three as good as one? No. Which, but as you, a trilogy, it tells a whole complete story, and it's satisfying. Right. Which do you prefer, two to three, or three to two? I think I prefer three to two, yeah. simply because I I love the westerns, and mm-hmm. you know, with him calling himself Clint Eastwood and all that <laughs> stuff. I mean, there's a lot of fun westerns. There really there. is. There in the train chase is great, and and you smartly using the hoverboard and stuff like that. You know, they just they they did things really smart in three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I thought so too. And three was kind of I was watching one yesterday afternoon. I just kind of had it on, um, meaning to take a nap, and I ended up getting sucked into it. And 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 number one, I just threw on my digital copy that I had. You know, rather than get up out of my chair and go find oh. the Blu-ray and put it in, I just only yeah, because did... that's such an inconvenience. Yeah, and um, did. At uh, the end, the to be continued's cut out of the digital version. Is it? Yeah, I was like, "Where did that go?" That's not. That's not cool. I know. And then the other one, uh, the other thing I want to say is, I was noticing they do a great job in that movie of setting up gags and setting up moments throughout. And of course, you know, you, this is one of those things you always know. But I was just paying close attention to some stuff, and I feel like they do that again in a better way across two and three. Yeah. As far as the way they set everything up so that that final, uh, you know, with the hoverboard, with the with with the DeLorean, with all the stuff, they just set everything up so that this all kind of comes through. And of course, the I'm a fan of running gags, so the constantly running into manure trucks and that sort of thing mm-hmm. works for me. But um, the only thing is, is the whole nobody calls me chicken kind of came out of nowhere. You know, it it became this this character trait that Marty had that was nowhere to be seen in that first in that first episode in that first in the movie. first movie. Yeah, yeah, so. it became a thing in the second one because that's what led to him drag racing and ruining his hand that kept him from playing guitar and led to his bum career was because you know uh, Flea called Flea or it was Flea who was driving the truck, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, called him chicken yeah but you're right it, it really wasn't part of the first movie at all mm-hmm. it was just i you know it's like they in the second movie they're like all right we need we need something to go wrong with marty what could it be yeah yeah so anyhow I, how did we get to i don't know someone backtrack we're just we're freestyling <laughs> today baby someone backtracked the conversation for us just before we get any further into things, though, I definitely want to make sure that uh, I say thank you to everyone who has uh, helped us out at the show by using the Amazon links that you can find at Geek Out Online and geekoutpodcast.com. Just click through those links, go to Amazon, shop like you normally would, 
and it helps the shows out. And uh, the more that you shop through those links, the more that it helps the shows out. And so, in other words, the more items that are bought because you go through those links, uh, the, the higher percentage we end up getting down the road. So, um, so guys, thanks so much for doing that at Amazon.com. Just go to geekoutonline.com or geekoutpodcast.com and do that. And Thank you for using those links. That's right. <laughs> if you don't, that really stinks. Um, so, but no, seriously, thanks for that. And thank you to everyone who keeps the shows going through Patreon. You can find our Patreon site at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Uh, I've, I've tuned into a few more podcasts here lately that are using Patreon. It's a great service. It's trustworthy. It's secure. And it really does help the shows out in a big, bad way when you go to patreon.com slash geekoutloud uh, and do that. Our featured supporter, featured Patreon supporter from the Goloverse Wall of Fame at geekoutonline.com is Michael Nip, giving the, invi- the, giving the enviable power of flight. Michael, hi, Nip, strikes injustice from the air. So Michael Nip. Also, you can check out. I'll give his. I'll give his show a plug. Check out the Deuce Cast with Mike and his friends uh, from the Alabama area, and, uh, and I guess that's the state of Alabama. I think they're in the Birmingham area of Alabama, but they've What's got a great the Deuce Cast. The Deuce Cast. Yeah, you can find it on Shot Glass Digital. And I'm afraid to ask what they talk about. It's a movie podcast, very oh, movie centric. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I honestly don't know where the Deuce Cast comes from. I didn't they ask really them talk about. about the second movies in, in no the no franchise. they no it's a wide range of movies like these guys are movie buffs they're watching everything and um and so they it's it's you know it's a it's a they got a big panel of guys but it's great and so check it out the Deuce Cast with Michael Nip and David Dollar and a few others um, have they have they watched Into the Grizzly Maze I don't know this is this is a movie that I I highly recommend. If you're looking for uh, like a little Saturday night B cheese fest movie, mm-hmm. but with some uh, pretty decent stars in it, I'm talking uh, I'm talking uh, James Marsden, wow, uh, Thomas Jane, Billy Bob Thornton, man, um, and some good uh, some good grizzly bear maulings. Into the Grizzly Maze. Into the Grizzly Maze. I mean, are they in, are they entering a maze they of are, grizzly they bears? They are in this movie big time. It's not. I mean, James Barston and Thomas Jane are the two main characters. Wow. They're brothers. One is a sheriff. One is kind of a drifter. Uh, both grew up with a father who was a hunter, and uh, basically, there is a large grizzly bear in their little part of the mountain that is mauling people. And uh, they're out to take it down. Wow! So it's actually, it like I said, it's definitely a B movie, just with you know a better cast than B movies have, and it's it's really entertaining. So kind of like The Edge without Anthony Hopkins. Yes. Yeah, The Edge is the better of the two, but if you like The Edge, I definitely recommend this one. Man. I into the grizzly maze. Grizzly maze. And yeah. Aaron, I, just, I just watched it on. Uh, I, I don't know if it's streaming on Netflix yet. I got it as a DVD, like through the mail, mm-hmm. off of Netflix. But it's entertaining. And Erish Chernovice recommendation, ladies and gentlemen, into the grizzly maze. Erish, um, I've, I've got someone calling in here that I we need to add to the call. 
Um, okay. I, I I hope this isn't an emergency. I hope he realizes we're podcasting. Um, we'll find out though, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show, Derek Russell. Who is bashing Back to the Future Two and Three? Nobody's bashing Back to nope, the Future Two and Three. It. I received messages. They lied to you from yeah. from Lucifer himself. No, not Lucifer. Not Lucifer. And he said, "I have a little flux capacitor in my car that goes off whenever somebody's bashing Back to the Future." No one's bashing Back to the Future. We were just talking I, about. We were you saying that he said that the first one was better than two and three. That was all we said. But, but three. Three is the superior one. And we said three is great. We said it's a perfect trilogy. Uh, yes. We sa- Who told you that we were bashing back yeah. to the future? Listen, I know things. There's you a, can't there's trust a anything that Lucifer says. The Star Wars room is bugged. The b- <laughs> oh, now I've got to go through here tonight and take hey, apart now, every somebody, toy. Somebody here on the chat, Alicia is saying that I said it should have only been one movie. That's not what I said. Nope, that's not what he said. We'll play the tape back. We were talking about... Uh, you know those probe droid toys? Yeah. Not toys. Not, oh, okay. Well, thanks <laughs> Thanks for giving it away. Thanks. Now I don't have to take apart every Star War I've got and, 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 find, and try I to... I could be lying. <laughs> the power of Blucifer compels you. I'm going to send a Trojan horse to your house, only it's Blucifer. <laughs> uh-uh. Eris, have you seen... By the way, Derek, Eris on the line. Eris, this is Derek. Derek, how hey. are you? Hey, how are you? Eris, have you seen this, this horse outside the Denver airport? The horse outside the Denver airport? Yeah, at, at the Denver International Airport, they, they put a statue up of a horse. Uh-huh. I, I don't know if it's supposed to be, like, for the Denver Broncos or what, but it's very creepy looking. I'm going to... Uh, just put a link here in the sky. Well, it's chat supposed to be one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. That's what the. That's what the. Why uh, would that be outside a, a major airport hub? Well, this, just this, once you see it, you will not be asking those questions. You'll be asking a whole new set of questions. You'll be asking it like this: Why is that outside of an international <laughs> airport hub? You're putting the wrong emphasis on the wrong <laughs> syllable. I put a, I put a link there in the chat for you. Check that thing I out. Did, all right. It is. It is not. Uh, it's not a pretty sight. The sound quality is amazingly clear on the Skype. I'm driving down the road. Yeah. Well, welcome. Welcome. Hey. He's got red glowy eyes. I didn't mean to just totally derail. The, no, let's be. Derek honest, has red glowy eyes. No. Yeah. The horse. We both do. The horse. Um, when when somebody badmouths Back to the Future, I do. We weren't bad-mouthing Back to the Future. I heard it was Steve, and I heard he was bad-mouthing it. I never bad-mouthed a thing. He was like, Derek will never hear this. There, there are two links I there in the chat. The second it. one's a close-up of the demon horse's face. Oh, wow. Here's. That is a bit of a demon horse. Yeah, yeah. I, does that's look just a outside. Bit, Once you get inside, it gets bit, worse. It does look a little bit like Thunder, who is the Broncos' mascot, but it's not quite it. Mm-mm. No, he's demonic. This is not. They also have a statue of Anubis. I love so that Lucifer. Yeah, we we call him. I actually like that. Yeah, we. I think that name was was that name coined on the show last night, Derek. I guess I I don't. I don't know. I believe we coined that on round here on the slate from 2014. They're calling him Lucifer. Okay, maybe that's where we got it. That's where Sheena must have gotten that because she's the one that turned us on to this. Here, don't Sheena punk rocker? Uh, no, she is. Uh. 
She she works at Grace. She is actually a punk rocker. Oh. She will appreciate that mention because that's that that's why she one likes of my, that song. So my much. favorite uh, one of my favorite tunes by those boys. His official name is Blue Mustang, but local, yeah. locals call him Bluesfer. And inside the airport, Eric, are these demonic murals of, like, starving dead children. And- Let's be honest. Nobody in Colorado calls that thing Blue Mustang. Even the people that work there call it Bluesfer. I just call it, ah! <laughs> Mr. Ed's evil cousin. Of yeah, course. it says locals call him Bluesfer. Yeah. Mm. We all... It is, uh, he is not, and the guy who built it was killed by it, Erish. <laughs> True the story. The horse represents the wild spirit of the old American West. No, it, it represents. No, it does not. Mm-mm. It, <laughs> yeah, re- it, it represents. It to represent death, destruction, and diluted debates. <laughs> it represents the forces of hell. Um, so. And I'm pretty sure there's a portal for which underneath. Yes. Fell on him and severed an artery in his leg. That's right. And killed before the man. they had even unveiled it. That's right. Killed him. The, Coach Klein. the man was killed by his own creation, his own you demonic remember, creation. Remember when that nine thousand pound uh, structure killed that man, <laughs> broke out of the zoo, and, and punched all those people in the face? I just love that this is the thing that welcomes people to the city. Yeah. Yes. If you look out your left, you'll see death riding the pole. You'll see Lucifer. Welcome. Oh man, no! But I want to get back. Get your baggage at Terminal C. <laughs> I, I want. I want to get back to this whole, uh, the, this whole Back to the Future thing, Derek. We were singing the praises of Back to the Future, and how I believe you. and how I just, how it wasn't originally intended to be a trilogy, but they made it I, one. I was on a long drive, and I received messages and thought, what better time to call in and totally derail the whole thing and you have done so i also told mission Ash, accomplished but also, tonight was the let's night bring our troops detail, home. let's so. bring mission accomplished let's bring our <laughs> troops home. don't you get political on this podcast this is geek out loud i'm gonna i'm gonna bow out on that note you boys have fun <laughs> all right man we'll talk right, to you Derek, soon safe drive thank you see ya see ya sorry about that everyone he was persistent he must have called three times before i finally answered there so nice. Who else is going to call in tonight? Hopefully, nobody. Uh, <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> I don't know if we should open up the phone lines or not. Where was I? We were Patreon. Thanks for the Patreon, yes, guys. Patreon.com yes. slash geek out loud. And uh, that's the only plugs I got. So uh, help Steve reach his goal of being a gentleman podcaster about town. That's right. That's right. That's that's my that's my it's all desire in life. Uh, High quality Hawaiian shirts during the hot summer months and sharp hoodies during the winter. Speaking of sharp hoodies, thanks, Harris. That really reminded me of what I, the other thing I needed to plug. We do have T-shirts available for many of our shows now at a T Public store. You can find them by uh. going. Yeah, go to geekoutonline.com slash shirts. Geekoutonline.com slash shirts. We have, That's original. Thank you. We have um, a the, the official classic Geek Out Loud shirt. We've got just a very simple design of the Geek Out Loud shirt. We've got our Disney Vault Talk baby mushroom shirt. We've got our mixtape Rock Out Loud shirt and the official Mark Out Loud shirt. All available uh, at our T Public store, you can get to there by going to geekoutonline.com/shirts. So these are great shirts. We've already had a few people order them and say that it's like being ensconced in velvet. So, dude, no past the corn shirts. 
I'm working on it, Eric. I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm I am I am working on it. I've got an idea in mind that I've got to make come to fruition. So nice. Yeah. So we'll have the pass the corn church. We're gonna listen. We gotta go to Omar the tent maker to make mine though. Well, that they, they, that's the great thing about T Public. Uh, they have sizes up to five X. Up to house. Up to yes. Yeah, so, uh, and you can do this in any color. You know, in the past, I've just done, like, the red Geek Out Loud shirt or what have you. But now, uh, with Tee Public's uh, store, you can do your shirts in uh, in the female cut, the male cut. They've got different shirt styles with a, with a tri-blend type extra soft t-shirt, a v-neck t-shirt, crew neck t-shirt. However you want it, they got it. And uh, it's geekoutonline.com slash shirts so buy a shirt enjoy it and wear it abroad you be a podcast listener about town in your new sharp threads and you can get all kinds of like they've got like baseball tees they've got hoodies you can put the you know you can get the logo put on that sort of thing so long sleeve short sleeve tank tops kids it's great great store great product great fun geek out loud i don't know what that means um, well, Eris, let's, uh, let's do this. Let's get into some past the corn. Why don't we? All right. Pass the corn. Well, it's September and, sept- and late in September, and we kind of dodged a bullet because, Erish, as you said, there hasn't been much come out um, this month. And so we're looking at the movies of this September of 2015, and we've got a few we'll look back at uh, that are celebrating those uh, multiples of five anniversaries. Oh, um, nice. So, uh, so coming up. Yeah, I emailed you about those. They're not Did many. You know? Not many. September, not a big month for the release of film. No, it's, you know, the kiddies are going back to school. The colleges are starting up. The college football is starting. The NFL football is starting. You know, people are settling back into their 9-to-5 grind after, you know, maybe taking some August vacay. So it's kind of, you know, it's sort of a quiet month at the theaters. Right. Right. Um, And then uh, starts ramping up in October, November, and then December. Yeah, theaters are hoping that the, like the final summer films will kind of be holding over this long into September. You know? Yeah, those first couple weekends, and then we had some we had some big releases hit this past weekend. Yeah, Friday we had the Johnny Depp Joel Egerton. We I think we talked about this a little bit um, before. Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Jesse Plemons from Friday Night Lights, Kevin Bacon, Roy Cochran, all in this movie Black Mass. The Whitey Bulger movie. Um, I don't know much about him other than he was a gangster, and I don't he mean was, I, he I was don't a gangster he... who uh, was secretly uh, an informant for the FBI. Nice. Um, for those of you who saw The Departed, the uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah, yeah, uh, Matt Damon movie, Jack Nicholson's character in that movie was pretty closely based on Whitey Bulger. Okay. Um, so, you know, the the fact that he was running around as a gangster was being surveilled by 
police and stuff. And basically he was getting away with everything because the FBI was allowing him to because he was informing on all the other gangsters. Was he kind of playing both sides against the middle? Was he building his own little empire or was... He was... Well, he was not playing both sides. Well, not, I'm not positive on that. Right. I know that the other gangsters didn't... like. The only people that knew that he was informing for the FBI was the FBI. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but he was definitely using that to his advantage. Was this when... And uh, he was just a bad, bad dude. Wow. Well, uh, Johnny Depp, I mean, come on. He plays Bulger. Yeah. Um, Joel Egerton, uh, the the young... Owen Lars. Owen Lars. Of course, everyone knows Benedict Cumberbatch. Yep. Uh, as I said, Jesse Plemons from Friday Night Lights. And he was the nice bad guy on <laughs> on Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um, which made him even that much more twisted. Kevin Bacon is in this. Rory Cochran. I don't know who Rory Cochran is, I guess. Have you seen Dazed and Confused? Yes. No, the long-haired stoner dude? Yes, yes. I know you. Mm-hmm. We had geography together. Right, That's right. Rory Cochran. Okay, yeah. Also in... Uh, he was the dude who lost all the all the store's money and uh, Empire Records. All right, a, a movie that will get brought up later on in the show. Uh, Empire Records. Yes. Is it an anniversary? It sure is. Is it Rex Manning Day? I guess so. <laughs> and Merry Christmas. <laughs> I love that movie. I'm so you just. I'm so happy we're going to talk about that movie. <clears throat> um. Also. Coming out, I guess this past Friday, yeah, Everest, a movie that I have no desire to see, but I think the the commercials I've seen have been like the the first movie since Gravity that demands to be seen in IMAX 3D. Well, here's the interesting thing: Everest didn't actually open yet. It's opening okay. this Friday. All right. Okay. What they did with it was they opened it on IMAX screens only around the country mm-hmm. this past Friday. All right. The okay. 18th. They wanted to take advantage of this whole marketing campaign they were doing where, you know, they, they, they're they trying to, to stress seeing this in IMAX because of the awesomeness of Everest and this being this mountain climbing adventure story and stuff. So they thought that that plays well into, you know, the, the museums and stuff that tend to show the IMAX movies that are very nature documentary oriented. right. right. So they're feeding it to that, and it actually paid off pretty well for them. It took in almost seven and a half million dollars over wow. the weekend, well, on about five or six hundred IMAX screens, I it, believe. It says it's an adventure docudrama, so it's it's like it's a, based on a true story okay. of this. Uh, basically, the climbers got to the top of the mountain, and then on their descent, they got hit with like one of those like once in like you know a lifetime kind of storms. Yeah. Um, and it's about them trying to get down alive. Dude, I read a an article, I think it was, on Everest and how there are just, like when people get off the path to go up that mountain mm-hmm. and they die, they just have, their bodies have to be left there because there's really no good way to go retrieve the bodies. Yeah. And so they're just frozen bodies all, all up and down uh, the mountainside there. Um in various stages of preservation or decay. It's a, it's like, don't, don't go there, people. You know, if there's no need to climb that mountain, there's nothing up there but rock. Well, you know, it's one of those, 
you know, it's there, I got to climb it sort of things. So if you're yeah. that if you're that kind of person who's inc- inclined to those kind of challenges, I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. No. 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 I see a flight of stairs, and I'm like, "Isn't there an escalator?" Yeah. yeah. Can't, can't, isn't there one of these automatic bring me up things? What do you call yeah, that? Escalator, yeah. Never elevator. Catch me wanting to even think about climbing Everest. <laughs> oh man! Uh, but great cast: Jake Gyllenhaal, Josh Brolin, Sam Worthington, Jason Clark. Um. Really solid. I, I think it looks pretty cool. It's. I don't know if I'll get to get to it in the theaters, but it's definitely a movie that I want to see. Hmm. I uh, like yeah. these, you know, this big is, adventure. I, I do too, but this is more of like something I would sit at home and watch, even though it demands to be seen on IMAX. Um, I just I watched Gravity at home and got as into it. I, I can't imagine having seen that in the IMAX 3D. When when gravity hit, because I yeah. was just like I was I was completely enthralled as it was. So um, I don't need I don't necessarily need that big screen IMAX experience for stuff like this. You know, I do it just you know if I, if there's something that catches my eye that I'd like to go see, I'll do it because you know well okay well this is cool I'll go do this just for the experience. But right. but I don't need it. I get you know to me it's more about getting wrapped up in in what's going on in the characters and that sort of thing. Um, Here's a franchise, Eris, that I did not realize was a franchise. The Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials. Um, it's the uh, who? What's the guy's name? Oh, Littlefinger. He's in this thing. Yeah, he's um, in the second one and the the new one that just came out. It's uh, it's Thomas Therese and the rest of the Gladers search for clues about WCKD, a powerful organization in the Scorch, a bleak landscape that is filled with dangerous obstacles. The Gladers partner with resistance fighters to take on WCKD in an attempt to discover their plans for the future in this young adult dystopian thriller. I did not... I, the first one was on Netflix for a little bit, and, you know, I just I would see it pop up every now and again. And then I saw a commercial for this, and I'm like, oh, is this the same thing? I, I had no idea what th- this is a thing. Well, what it is is it's a series of young adult books. Uh, much like Twilight, much like the Hunger Games that, you know, the studio optioned with the intent of turning it into a franchise. Um, Mm -hmm. So they put the first movie out, The Maze Runner, which, you know, when it came out was just, you know, barely hit my radar. But I watched it. I watched it on a plane either coming or going on one of my trips out to the left coast this year for the conventions. And it was I thought it was entertaining. Um, and, uh, definitely has, you know, that sort of cliffhanger. Okay. This is, you know, part of a bigger story kind of ending to it. And so this new one, the scorch trials, which this was the number one movie at the box office this past weekend, made over $30 million. Um, this was scorch. This was, yeah. Okay. And that black mass came in second and it black mass brought in about 23 million. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're hoping this turns into uh, you know they want this to be a franchise. Now the fact that it got released in September tells you that they don't see it being a, a Hunger Games or Twilight sized franchise. But you know it's the kind of thing that it probably didn't cost them a lot of money to make, and uh, you know if they can see a sizable return off of it, then it it warrants making the third one and. You kind of hope that you build your audience with the right. success of the movie that comes out. So, 
Well, I, I mean, I've seen these, like I say, I've seen the commercial for this and, you know, it looks like they're out in a, in the world that has been destroyed, you know, definitely a post-apocalyptic kind of thing. Um, yeah, no water. Yeah. Cities like just buried in sand dunes kind of thing. Yeah, I it it just doesn't necessarily it doesn't grab my attention, but you say the first one was decent, it was okay. I like the first one and there's yeah. a whole there's a whole mysterious element to it. You know, what is this maze that they're in? What's on the other side of the maze if they can get through it? And, you know, then who's controlling the maze? What is it all about? So there's definitely uh you know, there's a bigger world than what we're seeing on the screen, and part of the the part of the hook on all of this is, as the viewer, you want to find out what's out there. Mm-hmm. So you want the main characters to succeed in what they're doing, because the more they learn, the more you're learning. Right. So it's not so much about, hey, I want these guys to succeed. It's about, I got to know what's going on. So you guys yeah, do your I job. Know. Yeah, you guys got to live so that I can know what's going on. <laughs> Nice. I like. I, listen, that, what a great. Here's a, here's why these characters matter because as they learn, I get to learn. Um, coming next Friday. Here's here's a couple of things I didn't know were happening. Uh, Helen back. Mila Kunis, Danny McBride, who I love. Bob Odenkirk, Nick Swarden. Oh, I love uh, Swarden and Susan Sarandon lend their voices to this raunchy stop motion animation comedy about a trio of friends who embark on a hilarious journeys into the deepest bowels of hell. I did not know this was a thing. It's I don't I don't know how wide a release this is going to get. Mm-hmm. I basically I put it on the list because of the cast. Mm-hmm. Uh there's some funny moments in the trailer. It's uh it's definitely an animated movie. It's from the studio who had a hand in producing some of the robot chicken stuff. Okay. Um, so the, it looks like the humor and the comedy is kind of along the, those lines. There's uh, there's a red band trailer for it, which lets you know that there's a little bit of raunch in it. Right. Um, there are definitely some scenes that had me laughing in the trailer. It's just this cast is is really good. I'm I'm watching it now without sound, and yeah, it it looks. I mean, it's definitely got that claymation feel to it you know stop motion animation of course and um <laughs> the fat guy the fat guy is the brunt of a lot of jokes in it and he looks funny i mean he yeah. just he has a funny look about him um yeah they're going they and they're basically just kind of traveling through hell it looks i don't know yeah that's an intriguing thing because like i say this kind of came up when i read this when you sent this to me i'm like i did not know this was a thing but you know mila kunis danny mcbride Susan Sarandon, Bob Odenkirk, for crying out loud. That is a good cast. The other thing I didn't know they were doing was a sequel to Hotel Transylvania, which also comes out next week. Hotel, First one made money. Hotel Hotel Transylvania 2, Dracula's rigid monster-only hotel posse, has finally relaxed, opening the doors to human guests. But Drac is worried that his half-human, half-vampire grandson, Dennis, isn't showing signs of being a vampire, so he enlists his friends to put Dennis through a monster in training boot camp. I can't. I never saw the first one. Was it good? I've seen the first one. It's you know it pops up on cable. I've I've seen it. I, you know, if you're in the right mindset to it, there's mm-hmm. some funny moments in it. Yeah. You know, it's Adam Sandler and Kevin James and 
you know, all those guys, basically all the guys that were in the, the grown ups movies that he's done mm-hmm. all lend their voices to this. And oh, I didn't know that. it's got some sweet moments and it's, it's got some fun. It's, you know, it's the classic universal monsters, like with a spin on them. Right, right. So if, if you're a fan of those monsters, there's some funny bits in mm-hmm. it. Uh, Steve Buscemi plays the Wolfman, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Yes. And, yeah. you know, he's got his pack of cubs who are just getting into trouble all the time. Um, yeah, there's some fun bits in it. Um. Yeah, I, the first one got by me. I, I was aware of it. I wasn't even aware of this one uh, that's hitting. Uh, then Eli Roth uh, has is uh, directing the next one we're talking about, The Green Inferno. Inferno. Inferno? Hello. Inferno. Inferno. It's an ode to uh, Ruggiero Diodato's notorious film Cannibal Holocaust in a film surrounding a group of plane crash victims who run into some bloodthirsty natives in the jungle of Peru. Holy cow. So is this like a horror? Yes. Okay. But it's uh <clears throat> it's a let's understand. It's, like, it's one of these eco horror movies. Right. Um and this this movie I believe has actually been finished for a while now. The the, the trick was getting distribution for it. Mm-hmm. Um because I mean we're talking about cannibals here. Right. Um you know, it's it's a group of, you know, pretty young white kids who Go down to the Amazon to, we're going to do some good down here. And uh, their plane crashes or whatever, and they get picked up by a tribe of cannibals. Mm. And, you know, it's who's going to be first one on the dinner kind of thing. Yeah, you don't want to mess with any cannibals. No. They will, um, they will eat you, literally. You know, but it's Eli Roth, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, he pushes the boundary with this kind of stuff. So he's got he's going to have a bit of a social social message in this, but you know it's going to be a read between a read between the gore kind of thing probably. Mm. So you know if, if look I'm not I haven't seen like Hostel or right a, a lot of his stuff. Eli Roth to me was the the guy in uh, the the guy in uh, Inglorious Bastards. You know that that's about the most I've seen of Eli Roth. He, his stuff is just not my cup of tea. Right, right. Um, but you know, there's a lot of people out there that really dig him, and he's got another one coming out in a couple months. I think it's just played at the Toronto Film Festival. It's mm-hmm. the one. It's called Knock Knock. Oh Lord, that just sounds scary. Well, I don't even like to hear thing. that. It's, it's with Keanu Reeves. Yeah, Keanu plays a guy who uh, you know he's married. His wife, I don't know if he's got kids or not, but his wife is away on a trip and he's home alone. That's never And true. there's a knock at the door one night on a dark, stormy night. And it's these two beautiful, like, you know, 19, 20-year-old girls at the door who, uh, you know, oh, our car broke down. Can you let us in kind of thing? And he lets them in and, you know, they basically just play him and set him up for all this stuff. Um, and it's sort of this kind of psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. It kind of looks like, but uh, I don't like the, I, the even the title "Knock Knock." I mean, you just know. I think that's the title "Knock Knock." I'm, yeah, I just looked. I just saw. I just saw what you were talking about as I clicked on the Eli Roth thing. Yeah, it "Knock Knock." I don't even like that. And listen, if someone comes knocking at your door and you're home alone on a stormy night, don't open that door. Yeah, you just yeah, you, but you know, it's it's playing up the thing, you know. 
attractive guy, home alone, two pretty girls in trouble come to the door. You know, they, he's the victim of everything, except that who's going to believe that he's the victim? Right. That's so, what... so it's playing on all these conventions that we have. Yeah. That's why you don't open that door. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If someone... Here's a word of advice to everyone listening. If it's raining outside and it's a stormy night and you're home alone and you hear a knock on the door, you just holler, no one's home. That's yeah, what you do. If, if you hear a noise outside, don't like go out and check it out. And if and, and for heaven's sakes, if you're running away from a killer, don't run upstairs. Yeah. Just get out. Get out in the open where you can zigzag and hide in other places, you know, and not be stuck upstairs for the love of Pete. And don't hide in the closet because they'll always find you. They'll always, always find you. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Especially somebody like me who, like, breathes really heavy. That's right. <laughs> Some movie a couple of years ago or whatever where they're hiding in the closet and like, oh, I think it was the This Is the End, the one with, uh, with um, you know, James Franco and all yes, of them where yeah. the apocalypse came and they're hiding in the closet and like they're looking at like Jonah Hill or whatever. Like, why are you breathing so heavy? <laughs> you know? That would totally be me. <laughs> um, the Intern, Robert De Niro, Anne Hathaway, Renee Russo, Adam Devine. Um this is uh, a, a, a retired, successful business, business owner and widower, played by Robert De Niro, lands an internship at a fashion website run by a young, career-driven woman, as played by Anne Hathaway. Uh, it's a comedy, and um, and that happens next week as well. So, Anne Hathaway I dig. Robert De Niro I dig. I've heard some people really... Someone was talking... Was it you and I having the conversation? It couldn't have been. I can't imagine you saying something like this. About how Robert De Niro, they can't believe the stuff that he's done in his career. Like, he's just basically, you know, the guy from, with all that he did with, like, Godfather 2 and, and was it Taxi Driver or whatever that, you know, that, that he's done in recent years, the stuff he's done. He's got to pay the bills. Well, that's what I said. And they're like, you don't think he's paying the bills off of that? I'm like, well, some people just like to keep working. You know, Michael Caine famously said he did Jaws the Revenge because it bought him a new house. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing that jaws revenge did good for anyone yeah. well it cost him from collecting his academy award also oh for hannah heart. and her sisters mm. um but look i'll be honest with you i think of all the movies that we've talked about so far today yeah this is probably the one that i would go see right right i just i like the cast i like these kind of stories mm -hmm. you know um you know, the, I think the I think the the real story with this movie is that, you know, Anne Hathaway started this fashion company, and you know it's grown really big, and now she's got like a board of directors and stuff. But because it's, she's not really experienced to run a company of this size, and the board wants to bring in a CEO to kind of take it away from her, and so Robert De Niro is that guy who's been like. You know, he's had his career already, and, like, because he's old, he's been, he may have been laid off or something, and so it's some internship program that he's in, and he sort of becomes the mentor to her and, and helps her work through all this. So it just seems really sweet. It looks fun. Well, It's the, a feel-good kind of movie. Yeah, I mean, that's again, that's one of those that if I have to watch it on Netflix, I will. I, if I were going to go see any movie that we've talked about thus far, it'd be Black Mass. I'm really intrigued to see that movie. 
Oh, I want to um, see that one too, but I'm just I'm a sucker for these really kind of rom-com things. Huh. Yeah. Um, the one other one that comes out next Friday is at the time of this recording is Pawn Sacrifice with Tobey Maguire, Peter Sarsgaard, and Lee Sarsgaard. Sarsgaard. Um, it is a, it's a biopic about Bobby Fischer. Yep. Um, the, the, the world championship chess player. So is this there, this is the one where they go head, I guess this is the one where they go head to head and like, there was one day where like he didn't show up or. I think it covers all of that. Okay. It's not just about the one match. I think it's just about these two and like the pressures that were put on them and there's like political intrigue mm-hmm. involved in it and stuff. It looks really interesting. It's directed yeah. by Edward Zwick who directed Blood Diamond, which I thought was a really underrated movie with mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio. The Last Samurai, which I absolutely love. We talked about that last time. I believe he's doing the new uh, Jack Reacher movie, which I'm excited for. Um, so solid director. It just it looks really good. The only thing that drives me crazy is it's like the worst freaking title. Pawn Sacrifice. <laughs> Pawn Sacrifice. <laughs> I know it's a whole chess thing, but yeah. it's like so yeah, it's, uninspiring. It's... Like I just can't see myself walking up to take a count. Of, I like one for Pawn Sacrifice, please. I have a confession to make that up until about, I don't know, two or three months ago, the most I knew about Bobby Fischer was from the SNL skit where he gets thrown into one of the Trojan cheerleaders cheers. Bobby Fischer, <laughs> where's he at? I don't know. I don't know. Um, and I watched a documentary on him. Um, might've been on HBO and where they use just a lot of footage of his interviews and him and that sort And I was just like, this man is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I was just kind of like just blown away by this guy. And there is the whole situation where when he was playing this guy, he, almost didn't show up to to play the chess game and was just kind of faking the guy out or something. I don't know. You know, it, it's just, it's this weird thing. And so I'm really interested to see this. I think that he thought that, like, he was being followed by the FBI and the CIA right. and stuff. Yeah. Because this is all going down, too, at the height of the Cold War. Right. And him being an American and Spassky being a Russian, you know, just added to that. Are they really agents or, you know, because, I mean, guys this smart are the kind of guys that get recruited into these covert agencies like this. Mm-hmm. So I, I think in the trailer, one of the things that they kind of hint at is this paranoia that he's got about is he being followed? Like, are they trying to set him up for anything? It just it looks really interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm, that's the thing is, is when you get into the dude's actual life, he died, I think in Canada. Um, well, thanks for ruining the movie for me. Sorry. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Uh, he, but no, I think he was, he eventually like he, he was in Canada and, and would not come back to the States for whatever reason, because he believed all this stuff. And, and, uh, I mean, like you talk about, well, they don't spy on anyone in Canada. Right. Well, you talk, safe in Canada. Exactly. But you talk about like conspiracy theories and everything. This guy is is that well, he was that kind of person that was into that. Um so there was a little bit of uh maybe lunacy to his genius, but you know, this as this movie I think will show it comes from some of the pressures that he felt were placed on him because this was the height of the Cold War and it was a big deal for him to play 
uh, Spassky in chess because you know suddenly everyone in America became a chess expert. It's that yeah. thing that happens like during the Olympics, you know, where suddenly curling is everyone's favorite sport, or you know, everyone's an expert on ice skating all of a sudden, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, this, that's one I I kind of want to see that. I'm I'm with you though. I don't necessarily like the title, uh, but but it's one that I would I will still watch as, as I can. Um, so that's what's happening in September. Here's what has happened in September. And, and Eric, I just, just just one other note, real quick. Yes, there's a bunch of stuff. October is going to be a big month. Mm-hmm. A lot of big movies opening October. Some of those are going to get earlier releases in the next week or two here in september mm-hmm. uh so like if you're living on the left or the right coast you may see a movie like sicario in the theaters which is one of the ones in october that i'm really really excited for um you may see some of these other movies open a little bit wider too once we get into october so right. it's uh it's kind of interesting the next few months how they're going to be opening certain pictures around the country trying to find that right audience for them well it's that fall time for these you know these these some some independent type films will start hitting some of the uh some of the the lesser budgeted films will start hitting yeah and you you start getting into the awards season and if a movie like a pawn sacrifice can open a really solid reviews and maybe draw some talk for you know acting nominations and stuff like that it might open a little bit larger so yeah and uh and i'm telling you dude uh it, it all ends up getting swept under the rug for me as we hit november and december yeah um you realize we've got creed bond and star wars november december well you're you're leaving one huge you're leaving the 900 pound gorilla out of it and the last hunger games movie oh that I, for, I'm just talking about for I me mean, and what I'm excited I, about. I, yeah, it, for me too. But I mean, in terms of basically Thanksgiving weekend, Katniss is going to own the theaters. You think so? Yeah, leading leading into Star Wars, mm-hmm. Katniss is the big gun. Hmm. Uh, it's been all three of the movies have wound up in the top five for the box office the year that they came out. Right. You know, I think that uh, so. And this is the last one. This ends the story. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a fan. The movies just don't work for me. I watched, I watched the first one and I'm I like... I know plenty of people who, you know, this is this is it for them this year. I don't have the aversion to Hunger Games that I have to say a Twilight situation. I tried to actually read the first Hunger Games book at the suggestion of a lot of people. And... I just could not get past the fact that I didn't like it. And <laughs> yeah. And so I watched the movie and the movie was okay, but all I could keep thinking was we've seen this before. It was called The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I just I find Katniss to be too passive a hero for me. Hmm. I just I find her hard to root for because I feel I feel that you know, she doesn't do a lot to inspire me to root for her. Once again, Ayers brings to the table more intelligent criticism than Steve does. Oh, that's 
well, I just think it's a Running Man ripoff. Well, I'll tell you my problem with it. Well, and my biggest, my biggest issue with the whole thing is I don't believe in the society where they cheer for children killing themselves. Agreed. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Yeah, it's, that it, is my biggest problem with the whole thing. It, it is some, it's hard to suspend your disbelief at that point. Children killing each other is their Olympics. Mm. And may the odds be ever at your favor. Yeah. Um, speaking of Running Man, what a great movie, right? Oh, I love Running Man. I love, I love Running Man. It's so cool to me. Anyhow. Um, yeah, So, but looking back at some some uh, some movies that are celebrating those multiple of five anniversaries this year, uh, 40 years ago in, 19, in September of 1975, it's a movie I've never watched, uh, but I want to. It's been in my Netflix queue for, for years. Uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um I bring this up not because I've watched it and loved it, but it won Jack Nicholson an Oscar, and there's a lot of people who have seen it that say his Joker is kind of tucked away it in that performance. It won Michael Douglas an Oscar also. He produced the movie. Oh, wow. And I believe it was Best Picture that year. Yeah, it, it won, like, I think, uh, as I was looking it up, like five Oscars, but I was just trying to confirm yeah. that I thought this was Nicholson's Oscar that he won. And um, and, and a lot of people say his his performance, you can see hints of what would be his Joker down the road. Well, it's definitely it's definitely a legendary movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely one of his best performances. It's been it's probably been like ten, fifteen years since I've seen it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely one that you should see. Get this: it swept the major categories: best picture, best actor in a leading role, best actress in a leading role, yeah, best, Nurse Ratchet, best director, and best writing screenplay adapted from other materials. So five oscars that year and I it's just, good and you know a lot of times these 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 movies that sweep like this you know they get they get caught up in like a feeling or whatever at the time and you go back and you watch the picture and it's like really this won all that stuff but this is one of those movies where it was it was deserving of winning all of that stuff and mm-hmm. it's still an entertaining movie today um not much happening in the 80s in september Irish. Uh, but in 19... It's not a big bump. Not at all. Not at all. In 1990, though, Goodfellas hit. I love this movie. Uh, what do you mean I'm funny? What? <laughs> Karen, that was all the money we had. Uh, Joe Pesci. Um, yeah, I've seen it once. I saw it one say, time. Anybody I meet whose name is Henry? Mm-hmm. How you doing, Henry? Yeah. <laughs> That one scene, and it's not even Pesci. It's another kid right. playing Pesci as a younger character. When he meets Henry Hill, he calls him Hendry. Hendry. Hey, how you doing, Hendry? Hendry. It's just always stuck with me. So any Henrys out there are just Hendrys to me. Huh. Hendry. I call him Hank. So I saw it. I've only seen it once, and oh, I remember wow. digging it. I remember it being good. I just, you know, it's one of those that I've not, I've never revisited, and so I don't know it as well. But I know it's a big deal, and I knew that. I was flipping the channels just the other day, mm-hmm. and I was watching it. I, I've seen this I, dozens and dozens of times. It's See? so good. Uh, aren't you glad I stuck it in the list then? Oh yeah, I, actually, I'm loving a lot on this list. <laughs> uh, this one you're gonna bring up? Oh, oh the year 2000. Benny uh, feels. And and I'm and I'm bringing this up for two reasons. Number one, it's a great movie with a great soundtrack. Number two, Kristen from Rock Out Loud would kill me if she found out that we were talking about movies that were celebrating their multiple of five year anniversaries 
this year, and I did not mention Almost Famous. This is my favorite Cameron Crowe movie, hands down. It is. Absolutely love every second of this movie. Mm -hmm. It's about, isn't this one the one about the Rolling Stone reporter? This is the movie about him. Okay. Oh, really? It's basically him. He was that kid. Really? Yes. Didn't know that. See? I'm learning something on the old Geek Out Loud. Uh, I guess the most famous scene from this that was really floating around that year was when they're all on the bus singing Tiny Dancer. Yeah, Tiny Dancer. Mm -hmm. Kate, Um, was it Kate Hudson? Golden God. Yeah. Fever Dog. Was it Kate Hudson that was in this movie? That's Kate Hudson. This was like her breakout role, wasn't it? I think it's kind of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was her breakout role. And I mean, she's had some stuff other than this, but nothing has stood up to, to this. Right, right. So. Um, it's it, Anna Paquin is in this. Um, yes. Zoe, Zoe Deschanel is in this thing. Zoe Deschanel, yeah, she plays his sister. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yep. Um, uh, I am totally blanking because you caught me off guard with this, but uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Oh, Jimmy Fallon is in this. Yep. yep. Um, he actually just—I think Fallon was just tweeting. Oh, well, Cameron Crowe has because of the anniversary. Mm-hmm. Cameron Crowe has been on social media, like doing a little anniversary celebration. Oh, nice! And like posting photos from the set and little memories and stuff like that uh, the last few weeks. And he posted some behind-the-scenes pics of Jimmy Fallon on it because Fallon played their manager, mm-hmm. the, the new manager that they got. Right. Um, yeah, I just the music was so good in this, so many great lines in this. I need to go home. You are home. <laughs> um, Justin Long is in this. Is he? Uh, was it Justin Long? I mean, I'm looking through here and just seeing. He's the Led Zeppelin fan. There's so many things in here. Yeah, you know, so yeah, many I, I love this movie. Little uh, different. I, I I saw this movie like three times in the theater. I own it on DVD. Anytime it's on, I can't not watch parts of it. It's a great movie. Cameron Crowe's a great filmmaker, by the way. I, let me just say some. Let me make some obvious statements. It's a great movie. Cameron Crowe's a great filmmaker. <laughs> um, someone in the chat saying it's not Justin Long that's in this. Yeah, it's not Justin Long. It's um, it's it's the guy who's the voice in the How to Train Your Dragons movies. Oh, uh, Windows from Fanboys. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, isn't that him? I don't know. I gotta bring up IMDb. I'm I'm here looking. You're catching me off guard. I wasn't prepared. I'm sorry. I mean, I just noticed that you know the aforementioned Nick Swartzen is an insane Bowie fan in this movie. Um, Again, a lot of different little cameos and a lot of different little little things. And it's it's a nice. It's 15 years ago, so you can kind of see in this uh, different people who would break out in bigger ways or different ways. Uh, I mean, Mark Maron has a role in this thing for crying out loud. I'm looking to see. Billy Crudup is fantastic. Yeah. Yep. yep. Jason Lee is great. I mean, the guys who all make up the band are really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are you? Going to let you find what you're looking for. And I still 
found what I'm looking for. That was you too, by the way, everybody, in case you're wondering. Oh, Jay Baruchel. Oh, okay, yeah, saying. yeah, okay. Jay Baruchel. I Sorry, not Justin Long. I mean, they kind of look alike. Well, there you go. There you go. So, <laughs> also, from 15 years... <laughs> also, from 15 years ago this month, this movie was huge around these parts for a few years. I mean, this is just one of those movies that... I love this movie. Uh, I just watched this movie the other day. Denzel Washington, Remember the Titans. A young Hayden Panettiere uh, was in this, as well as a bunch of other guys who I would watch in other movies and be like, "There's Gary Bertier." Yep. There's you know. Uh, oh well, my god. Gary Bertier. I don't. If you, if you're a Sons of Anarchy fan, he was Opie on Sons. Okay. And he was, like, from the beginning, one of the reasons why I was excited about that show. So I'm like, it's Gary Bertier. Uh Great movie. Will Patton, Denzel Washington. Um, it's it's just your classic kind of, you know, high school football movie. But, you know, it's, in, it's right after integration. It's two schools having to come together. and, and Based man, on a true story. Uh, definitely based on a true story. And just so good. Ryan Gosling's in this thing, of course. Um, Can I tell you my favorite scene? Yes, please. You know the game where it's rigged, where the refs are all calling the penalties against them? Yes. And then uh, Will Patton walks out to the middle of the field and calls the ref out and like threatens to you know go public with the whole thing. Right. And then he comes back and he you know just rips his defense apart. And he's like, I don't want them to gain another yard. You make them remember the night they played the Titans. And then you just have this awesome montage of just the defense just destroying the opposing team. There's that great shot where Gary Bertier runs over to the opposing sideline and just points right at the head coach. Like, just points right in his face and gives him that look like you're dead. I love that scene. That's the way football should be played. I love the moment when when Sunshine gets out there for the first time, and he basically just hip checks a guy and tosses yeah. him over his shoulder, and then you know grabs the other guy's face mask and pulls it down like, "Hey, isn't that a penalty?" He's like on the quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> sunshine, yeah, oh, sunshine. It's like sunshine. I got it. That's all right. Okay, I got it. Uh, oh, such a such a good movie. Great soundtrack to it. Yes. Like everything about this movie works for me. Yes. Um the the guy who plays grown up Julius. He's someone that I notice every time he's in something. Well, um, he's if have you watched The Wire? No. All right, you got to you got to watch The Wire. That's what I hear. I hear it's really good. It's fantastic. He is like He's one of the main bad guys mm-hmm. on that. Uh, hold on, I'm just looking it up right now. Uh, where are you? I he's, know. Um, he, he's he's like the main bad guy. You're talking about the guy who plays young Julius or the guy who plays old Julius? Wait, old Julius? Yeah, at the, at the grave site. That end. is that no, that's not an old Julius. Are that's, you serious? That's the same actor with makeup on. I don't think that's true. It is. It's the same actor with makeup on. Really? 
Yes. Wood Harris is his name. I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, he plays Avon Barksdale on... Uh, oh my gosh, it is the same guy. He plays... Yeah. Um, He's going to be in Creed. Is he? he? Yeah, he is like going to be Adonis's kind of go-to okay. guy He's that he good. plays I first like with. He's yeah. another guy that anything he shows up in... Oh, he was in Dread, too. The the remake. Was he? Ant-Man? I know, I'm just seeing that he was an Ant-Man, and I don't remember who, who he was. I don't remember who he was in Ant-Man, but he yeah, was... the, you, man, you got to watch The Wire. He is fantastic in that, as Avon Barksdale. I've checked, he, was the, he was the partner in Ant-Man. He was uh, the, 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 the stepdad's partner. The cop. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, now I remember. Wow. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, uh, yeah, dude, that, that was movie. him with makeup on at the end. To this day, when someone cops an attitude with me at work or used to, and like my kids that I was working with would come, I'd be like, "Attitude reflect leadership, Captain." <laughs> <laughs> and they just look at me and cock their head, you know, like, "What in the world are you talking about?" And I'm like, "Strong side, left side." Yeah, left um, side, strong side, strong side. Uh, and I bring this one up. There's not much that I hate talk about on this show, Eris. You know that. You know that I want to love everything that we talk about. But man, in the year 2000, Highlander Endgame came out. And I was pretty stoked because I thought they're going to bring it all together. And it's going to be wonderful. The TV show, the, the movies. Is this the one where they had the, the TV show guy and uh, yes, all of them. Mr. Lambert together? Yep. yep. And it was not good. Yeah. It was not good. But I, I I didn't I mean I should have known when it was out of theaters before I could go see it and I had to like get it on video. And when I did and watched it, I was like, Oh so there really is only one good Highlander movie. <laughs> well, and this gets us back to our, our initial conversation about franchises. Yes, yes. That first Highlander movie is brilliant. It's such a great movie. Queen music and everything, and it, it all just works so well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But here's your problem: the whole point of the movie is that there can be only one, right? And he is the one at the end. So, how do you even consider doing a sequel when you fulfilled the main story already? Uh, and I, I think that that was, you know, the whole problem with this whole thing afterwards was you're just. You're betraying what the original premise was with every new thing that you do to create this franchise. Right, right. And, and well, and especially what they did in the second one when it became this alien thing. Yeah. Um, I've never watched the Renegade cut um, that apparently somehow wor works most of that out. It's, it's not. I, I think I have it on my DVD shelf here. I don't know why I ever bought it. I, yeah, I I do like the first one a lot. I like the original Highlander a ton. Um, right from the beginning, when the fabulous Freebirds are coming down to the ring, yeah, you know, and 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 everything that goes on there when it's just kind of and again, it's one of those movies that if you don't know what you're watching, um, when he cuts the dude's head off and all of a sudden you know all the lightning comes and everything, it's just like what is going on. And and then as you get into the flashbacks, you get into everything that's going on, you know, and, and you're introduced to the Kurgan and all. It's Kurgan just so good, dude. And when the he's a Spaniard with the Scottish accent. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Sean Connery. 
when the Kurgan's in that church and he just turns around and is like, I got something to say. It's better to burn out than to fade, fade away. away. <laughs> he's it's got just, the sti- he's got the staples in his neck. Yes, it's just he's such a great villain. My he name's is such Candy. A great, of course it is. He's such a great villain. Such a great villain. Um, my rule of thumb when it comes to Highlander yeah. is there can be only one. Wow. All right. Well, that's and a good. That's a good one. And really quickly, it was limited release. I was pulling the stuff from, uh, I think, Movies by the Numbers. And they don't really get into when it was like worldwide and what was a limited release, that sort of thing. And in right. limited release... Endgame? What's that? Are we still talking about Endgame? No, I'm talking about one more movie. Okay. Uh, in 1995, uh, the aforementioned uh, Empire Records... Was it's Rex Manning Day? Was released uh, in limited uh, in a limited run in uh, on tw- the twenty second of September. A month later, to be released nationwide. But uh, but yeah, so I saw this on the uh, like I say the movie by the numbers, and they don't get into you know they just get into that initial release date, and um, and so I didn't realize this had been a limited release. I never saw it in theaters. I didn't see it until it was on video. This was one of those. I think this is one of those movies that had a really good life on the video shelf. Um, I have seen this movie probably a hundred times because I worked in a video store and there were this clerks, Pulp Fiction and a couple other flicks are what I would just throw on in the store, like in the middle of the day because the soundtracks would carry me through the day. Right. Right. Like I wouldn't actually watch them. I would just have it on for like the music and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love this movie and it's not a great movie, but it's just, it's fun. And it, the cast is ridiculous. This movie is definitely a product of its time. Um, as far as the cast and the the look of everyone and and as you said the soundtrack and everything this movie is definitely right out of the middle of the 90s although the dude you know the the young guy with like the orange hair who yes. like you know eats the pot brownies mm-hmm. he's in that Mazda commercial right now with Christy Brinkley Yes, he is. He's the dude driving the car. Yes. Um he the is the vacation commercial. What was his name in the movie? Um, I want to say Ethan Embry. Am I right about that? Yes, yes. And he's been in a lot more, though, he's too. He's been in a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's so good. Um, And this movie also was the beginnings of my huge crush that carries on to this day for Liv Tyler. Uh, if anyone knows her and would like to introduce us. Uh, I will do my best to sweep her off her feet. I don't well, care. See, I dug this because I, Dazed and Confused is one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And I love Rory Cochran in that. And so that carried over into this because Rory was one of the main characters in this. Right. Well, yeah, Ethan Embry. Yeah, he's been in so much. Like, I recognize him when I see him. And, and, and I recognize him as someone who's funny, you know. Even though he's done a lot of different stuff, but um, that's hard, man. I can't be- to look at him. I'm looking at a picture of him right now, and then he looks so much different. It's hilarious. Jeez. Anyway, 
Uh, so Empire Records, if you've not seen it, go see it. It's it's fun. Yeah, it's um, it's got some good tunes in it. It's that classic. Like I say, it's and it is. It's right out of the nineties. Um, and you know, I graduated high school in ninety five, so it's right there in my wheelhouse and everything. It's back when they used to have a thing called record stores. Right, right. They still had those around. You know, and people were bemoaning the coming of the CD. Little did they know, Erish. Little did they know Little that they'd be bemoaning they <laughs> even more than that down the road. So, oh man. Um, so that's it, man. That's our past the corn. That's that's what we got. That's what we got. So, well, you know, we were talking about. Uh, there's one other thing I thought we could talk about. Yes, sir. Past the corn related. And that's the Jungle Book trailer. Oh, yeah, yeah. We talked about this uh, a month or so ago when we were talking about the the D23 convention Mm -hmm. and that, you know, this was a movie that wasn't necessarily, you know, high on a lot of people's expectation lists. And then they showed the trailer there and it really, really impressed people. So for those of us who aren't lucky enough to have been at D23 and aren't the privileged few... We finally got we finally got to see the trailer last week. Yeah, let me uh, let me play the audio from that real quick. It's just gonna be a bunch of like animals growling at each other. I know, but you get to hear Scarlett Johansson sing or oh, start so lead into "Trust in Me." Trust in me. Are you alone out here? I'm alone in here. Easy what now. are you doing so deep in the jungle? Don't you know what you are? I know what you are. I know where you came from. Poor, sweet little cow. I'll keep you close. Let go of your fear now. And trust in me. A lot of animal shots here, a lot of animal shots. Um, I'll be honest with you, the moment that sold me on this whole thing was none of the action and everything, Irish. It was uh, Bill Murray whistling the last few lines of Bare Necessities. I, I've watched the trailer a few times now. The first time I watched it, all I wanted to see was the Bare Necessities. Mm-hmm. And all we got was like all all these admittedly really cool-looking animal action shots and right. Mowgli running and stuff. And I'm just like, it just wasn't working for me. I'm like, I just want to see Bare Necessities. Yep. And, you know, then we just get that little tiny thing at the end. And, you know, for those of you who haven't seen the trailer and just heard it, it, you know, the whistle comes over a shot of 
uh, Baloo on, like, floating on his back in the river with Mowgli sitting on his stomach, just kind of as they lazily fro- float on the river. Just like a scene or two in the cartoon. Just from the cartoon, yep, yeah. yeah. And so, like, I feel like what I really wanted to see out of it, they only gave me, like, two seconds at the very end. Mm-hmm. But that said, and going back and watching it a second or third time a few days later, um, you know, knowing what to expect in it this time, I was really impressed with it. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, they're they're using all the songs from the original movie and everything, and um, I think what they're showing is some of the action sets and with the... Uh, and and with the and just letting us see the animals. How I mean, the last animal movie that uh, that Favreau did was you know Jumanji, and that was in a time when you couldn't quite do digitally what they do now. Right. And they look great. The the shots look wonderful. I did think Favreau that, direct Jumanji. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And um, I mean, unless I'm unless I'm just dead wrong, but I, I don't know think he did Zathura, yeah, which I, was the Jumanji in space. Right. Well, I could have sworn he did Jumanji. Let me make sure before I go any further and look like a total fool. Well, I was impressed with Scarlett Johansson. I thought she was great as mm-hmm. the voice of Ka. You definitely get that that seductive side to the character that you need. Yep. Um, so I, I I welcome the change there. Um, and I'm sorry, Joe Johnson directed Jumanji. Um, I don't know why I have John Favreau attached to Jumanji in my mind. Because, like I said, he did Zathura, which was the space version of it. Maybe he wanted to do Jumanji. Maybe. Anyhow, um, so. I'm excited for the rest of this cast voicing these characters too. Bill Chris- Murray is Baloo. <laughs> Christopher Walken is King Louis. Yeah. Mowgli, I want your fire. <laughs> Uh, Idris Elba as Shere Khan. Steve, there's another reason you need to watch The Wire. Idris Elba is Stringer Bell, another bad guy in it. Brilliant in that show. Um, Giancarlo Esposito, I love. Uh, ben Kingsley, Lupita Nyong'o. Mm-hmm. I mean, this cast is fantastic. It's, it is a fantastic voice cast. And, um, you know, and, and like I say, just to see... I'm like you, that that shot of him just riding on Baloo, you can't, you know, I don't think you can turn around and, obviously the Jungle Book's not necessarily, the book itself, the original work, is not a, really a comedy, but you can't take these characters, these songs, and not have some good lighthearted elements to this film. I want to see, the if Disney's going to make the Jungle Book, I want to see the live-action version of the Disney animated Right, film. right. That's the Jungle Book that I want to see them do. Yeah. And you can definitely see that in the trailer. You can, you can see the scene where, you know, they, they tie the... the the burning stick to Shere Khan's tail. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, one of the shots that really excited me was the three elephants coming out of the, out of the shadows, yes. out of the darkness, and just little tiny Mowgli standing right there. Colonel Hathi. Yeah, I, I just... I, I, yeah, I'm excited for it. I want to be like you. <laughs> Mowgli. I want to talk like you. I want to talk like you, walk <laughs> like you. I'm not a man. <laughs> but I wish I was. 
Oh, hey, Arish. Hey, Steve. Pass the corn, brother. That was pass the corn, man. Yes, sir. And, uh, guys, that's going to wrap us up on Geek Out Loud. Email us, geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. Uh, what did you think of the 90s movies back in the day? You know how I feel about most of the music, but that's fine. That's fine. Hey, don't forget to check out the our Public store, geekoutonline.com slash shirts. Public's a great service. All kinds of different cuts and styles, colors to choose from with the designs. We've got more designs coming along and along so yeah look for past the corn shirts coming that's right bookmark it and keep an eye out and uh show your love for the goliverse where'er you go in goliverse fashion uh audibletrial.com slash geek out now this later on this week we'll be doing our book club episode we're going to be talking about hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy so uh so yeah audibletrial.com slash geek out is a place to go where you can lazily read through your books and have someone actually read them to you uh and hitchhikers is a great one so uh check it out you can get a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook of your choice from audible when you go to audibletrial.com slash geek out don't forget those amazon links geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com and of course if you want to support us directly you can do so at patreon.com slash geekoutloud Hey, the Satchel Player is a podcatcher that is uh, available on both iOS and Android devices. It's in beta right now. Uh, get more information by going to satchelplayer.com. Especially, they're looking for beta testers on the Android side of things. So, if you rock an Android phone, go to satchelplayer.com and see if you can get in on that. It's going to be a great new podcatcher. You can listen to um, your favorite podcast and support them right there from the app. So, check that out. On the Twitter, at Goliverse for everything Goliverse, at Geek Out Loud for this podcast. I'm at Steve Glosson. Arish is at Darth underscore Duff. Make sure you're following him. Uh, on the Instagram, Arish, do you want people following your Instagram? Sure. Is do you it, know what it is? Is it at Darth Duff as well? Uh, I'm not sure. Hold on. I don't know either. I'm at Steve Glosson, so there you go. And hashtag past the corn. Definitely. When you tweet out about this episode or you're tweeting to Ayers, make sure you hashtag pass the corn. New York Steve's, Com- Steve's posting a lot of fun pictures of his toys, so you guys should follow him. New York Comic Con. New York Comic Con's coming up, Ayers. Yes, it is. So if you're in New York, guys, at New York Comic Con, make sure you swing by Del Rey's setup and We're give us. have a giant booth. Give a shout Comments. out. We're giving away tons of books. So Lots heads- of authors signing. On the Star Wars side, Chuck Wendig and for Aftermath and uh, Alexander Freed for the upcoming Star Wars Battlefront Twilight Company novel will both be there. Dang, um, uh, you, you didn't sound like you were stopping. <laughs> no, I, on, on the Instagrams, I'm DarthDuff428, all one word. All right, no underscores or anything like that, all, all one word. So uh, so check it out on the Instagrams there with him. Facebook.com slash geekoutloud. We got another goal poll coming up soon. And uh, so that's gonna do it for this time. Erish, thanks so much for sitting in, man. I always have a good time with you, brother. Oh, it's a blast with you, my brother. We got October, a- we got plenty of movies to talk about. We sure do. Along Hot with guns opening up. Along along with a lot of fall TV hitting starting to hit. So yes. we'll talk about it all down the road on Geek Out Loud. Guys, we'll see you next time. Have a good whatever you're having. Until then.
That was the Gin Blossoms off the Empire Records soundtrack, the aforementioned Empire Records soundtrack, played because we mentioned that movie. <laughs>